I came across Jesus on a cross, carved into a Spanish beach. His luminous eyes pierced through the night like nothing was out of reach. That was literal. We were walking down the front of Guatemala one evening. I think it might have been the night after the worst paella I'd ever had. Uh, Actually, the most looked forward to paella I'd ever had and biggest disappointment. And we were walking back along the top of the beachfront and I looked down and someday, as they do in beaches, had carved Jesus on a cross into the beach. It was an incredible piece of art. And they had put these two luminous eyes into Jesus' face as part of the art. And it made me think, even though I was on holidays, it made me think about the reach of Jesus' grace through the night. I added those lines to a poem I had written about not attending the 2011 Sinn Féin Ardèche. So there was a moment in Guatemala Beach And then there was a moment of soul wrestling and searching that that idea of Jesus' grace never being out of reach that came together. I thought about it over this last week. For those who are visitors, last Friday week ago, um, I spoke at the Sinn Féin Ardesh. I've spoken to some of you about that, but... As it was the only thing I thought about for three weeks as we were journeying through our travel narratives, those two things were coming together, caressing and colliding on a daily basis. And as I've unpacked it this week, I'm going to try and put them together this morning. And I'm going to do that with a wee bit of help from Desi Alexander's Discovering Jesus book. Um, I, I think it's ridiculously audacious to be an Old Testament theologian and write books about the New Testament but Desi does that and uh, Discovering Jesus is a a little book that he's written that's really really helpful and I've been using it a little bit in our travel narratives as well because he looks at Luke in that so we're going to be at the Sinn Féin Ardèche, it's a journey of what 75 miles while we're on this travel narrative Um, on Jesus' journey that's a wee bit longer than that, and we're going to try and see what we might learn from that. Desi has two chapters about Luke's gospel in Discovering Jesus, and the second one is about the lost, which is what we're on this morning. And he starts that chapter with these words. One of the most striking features of Luke's gospel is its emphasis on the compassion of Jesus for the people who were viewed as social outcasts. One of the most striking features of Luke's gospel is its emphasis on the compassion of Jesus for people who were viewed as social outcasts. If we'd been traveling these narratives, we might have picked up on that already, although I'm aware that as we travel these narratives and as we ask ourselves different questions, maybe other things have come out too. The themes of Luke, according to Desi's little chapter, are that Jesus is the saviour of the world and Luke's emphasis on people. Matthew, for instance, his parables talk a lot about the kingdom of heaven, whereas Luke's parables are very much about people. Lost son, older son, good Samaritan, just to name a couple in our travel narratives. And the lost, 
sorry, just to say that at the moment, if you are following along, then we are in the middle of the lost parables in Luke as I come to speak to you this morning. And we did a series on that a little bit earlier in the year. But Luke chapter 15 and those three stories about the lost uh, are really quite crucial to the whole gospel uh, according to Luke. Desi brings four particular um, groups of people out that Jesus has compassion for um, uh, and, and meets and deals with. I'm going to just briefly look at them in our travel narratives. So the first one would be woman. Jesus has a particular compassion for the woman of his day. Chapter 10, we met with Mary and Martha. Chapter 13, the crippled woman who Jesus ends by saying, this woman is a daughter of Abraham, which interestingly is reflected in this morning's reading that June Pat gave us, that that's what Jesus said when Zacchaeus had found salvation, that he was a son of Abraham. Jesus has this compassion, real interest, relational with the woman of his day. Then the poor, chapter 14. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Or in chapter 16, we'll come to it, that whole story of Lazarus, uh, the rich man and the poor man, Jesus talking about again during our journeys through Luke. The disreputable tax collector and Pharisee story, Zacchaeus this morning. Zacchaeus would not be seen as central to the social Uh, communities of his day he was wealthy yes but he was probably a very lonely man and seen as a social pariah Jesus comes and tells him to get down out of the tree because that's the house he's decided in Jericho that he wants to go and stay and eat in and then the Samaritans we've talked about them a little bit haven't we but the Samaritans are featured a few times Uh, we've obviously had the parable of the good Samaritan And uh, a little bit later on, we'll come to those lepers that Jesus um, heals and cures. And only one out of ten comes back. And what one is the one out of the ten that comes back? You better believe it. Luke points out that it's the Samaritan. And so we come to Zacchaeus. One of these people that the savior of the world has this missional intent because nobody is out of his reach, as I figured out on the beachfront in Guatemala and Spain. This is a case story and a visit to the Ardesh. How can they blend? Well, Jesus again goes outside of the camp to reach the case, as we've said. He goes to the edge, the very edges of what would be socially acceptable. In fact, we find out right in the middle of it that people are not at all pleased that that's the house he's decided to go and have a meal in because Jesus goes beyond the boundaries that we sometimes put up it's always good when you're talking about the Sinn Féin Ardèche to to mention uh, a DUP mayor so um, that happened actually this week I was um, going to Strathern SU because I can speak at SU's again I'm the young fella. Thank you to Sophie Trinder for inviting me. But I was a little bit early and I thought I'll go into a cafe and have 20 minutes just to get my thoughts together before I go in there. And down the stairs comes Gavin Robinson, who we had here during the Four Corners Festival. And uh, I'm standing in a cafe 
in East Belfast, and Gavin Robinson's asking me how it went at the Ardesh, and I'm thinking, what is going on in our world that a DUP um, councillor might be asking a Presbyterian minister how he got on at the Ardesh? Gavin said when he was here, when I asked the three mayors to give us something for the churches, he said, get out of your churches, get out of your buildings. And he was even specific, even Clonard Fitzroy, get out of your buildings, he said. You need to get to those places that we haven't been for a time. For me, going to the Ardesh was as pretty far out of my Balamina building as I could possibly get. But the challenge is there, because salvation... There's nobody out of the reach of the Jesus on the cross. But when we go outside our buildings, when we get outside those socially and spiritually and churchy acceptable friendships and relationships, we remember, don't we, when we were young, and this is not a comment about being unequally yoked or equally yoked or whatever else, but that phrase that we had, that theological heresy, that you used to say to young people at youth fellowships, if you're standing in a chair and somebody is down and you're holding on to somebody that's not on the chair, they can pull you down so easily. Another seemingly theological declaration that God's not up for anything because he's a weak, wee God who will let you be pulled down off chairs because in our society the devil always wins, so don't go to bars, don't hang out with people that curse, because there's no way God would be able to protect you in those places. It is just a theological issue. Who do we believe is the strongest? But we have failed miserably in what we believe and how we apply it. So we like our social groupings that are safe, but Jesus went outside of it. And got that rebuke. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. I and Father Martin were incredibly aware of that kind of accusation when we accepted to go to Sinn Féin Ardesh. How would those feel who'd lost loved ones in the troubles? How would it be seen to go into such a place? And I suppose as I pondered all of this, I have realized, and this is where today's title comes in, that when we're moving from the dark end of the street to the bright side of the road, and I'm stealing uh, Marcina Mullier's phrase there because when he welcomed Van Morrison in to the freedom of Belfast, that was a phrase he used about Van, that Van had been with us from the dark side or the dark end of the street to the bright side of the road. That where we are in our journey of faith, that somewhere where we are. From the fall, if you like, in Genesis, right through to the city coming out of heaven and uh, the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21, we're sitting somewhere between the dark end of the street and the bright side of the road. How it was and what Jesus uh, being the saviour of the world is making it be. And when we're in that place, we will find ourselves in messy relationships. We in Northern Ireland happen to be a little microcosm of that because we're coming from a very bloody and painful conflict just 20 years ago to moving somewhere towards hopefully a reconciliation and a peace. Well, when you're moving between the dark end of the street of the troubles 
to the bright side of a road that you hope will be better for our children and their children, then if you're involved in the reconciliation of God in that, you're going to find yourselves in messy relationships and friendships like Zacchaeus was for Jesus, like many people were for Jesus, like most of the people that Jesus hung out with between the dark end of the street and the bright side of the room. So on Facebook this week, I engaged with someone who told me and I understood what they were telling me and how they felt about it, that it was a step too far to be at the Sinn Féin Ardèche. Why did I go, they said. And my response was brief on Facebook and then we went and connected in another way. But my response was, I read Jonah. Jonathan took us through it. Once you read Jonah... You start looking at those messy relationships of people on the other that may seem to be out of Jesus' reach, but we know from the carved sand and the scriptures that we read, of course, that there's no one out of reach. And so Jesus calls us to go among the people that we were at enmity with, the other, beyond our social grouping. When we're involved with Jesus' ministry, from the dark end of the street and the bright side hasn't appeared just yet, we will always be involved, as with Zacchaeus and Jesus, in messy relationships that will not be understood. What were we trying to do at the Ardesh? What I was trying to do was preach the gospel because that's what I do. And so I brought that into play when I brought grace into the Ardesh. Grace, this unmerited favor, this interruption, this ability to make friendship out of enmity. And here was the key, and it wasn't just for those at the Ardesh that I was sharing this. Grace always moves first. Grace always moves first. First, we love God because he first loved us. Zacchaeus ate with Jesus in his home because Jesus moved to Zacchaeus first and invited himself, actually, to dinner. And I've said it before, and I will say it again. The greatest and most damaging theological heresy in evangelical Christianity in our country is that grace doesn't move first. That we need to repent first in some action of becoming something else, a work of humanity, before we can receive grace. We need to deserve grace. What a startling heresy. To it is by grace you are saved through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast. What a startling heresy in the community that most preaches that it's not by works. No, no. No, 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 no. The only hope we have is that God moves first. And God moving first demands of us that we move first. As Jesus moved towards Zacchaeus, 
first. And Zacchaeus' repentance and change came after. But grace is always open to abuse. Grace is always open to abuse. In fact, I suggest if our grace is not being abused, we're really not involved in grace. Let's never offer grace because we've worked out so many ways and covered it in so many corners that it will not be abused. Ten lepers were made clean and nine of them abused the grace of Jesus. When we get ourselves into messy relationships and we move first in the power of the grace of God into situations that are seemingly beyond our reach but not beyond the reach of our Savior, then we will find at times that our grace is abused. It's no reason, God said, to not move in grace. Jesus lives, dies, is raised to life, offers it to the world. Is it being abused? Absolutely. Did he not do it because he thought he would be abused? Absolutely not. God moves first in grace, expected at times to be abused. Were we abused at the Ardesh? Maybe. Maybe. Would it stop you reaching out with the grace of God? Dare I say it, it's come to mind. Never, never, never. But here's the other thing that I want to end with. And it's so clear in Zacchaeus. And it's another Sunday morning spookiness in Fitzroy. Rachel spoke about it in her Lent Reflection. I'm never sure what to say because I'm aware that I don't speak to you, that this goes out on the internet. So I'm always much more wary about what I say because it goes out on the internet. But I'll go with this one. My most lovely moment at the Ardesh was afterwards. Um, so many things happened afterwards. When we got out of the hall about an hour after we spoke, um, there was so many things happened. The first thing that happens is this woman comes up to me and says... Um, it's really nice to meet you. Thank you very much for coming. I'm really sorry this weekend that I can't be in Mullingar because the same night I was at the Ardesh, Stephen Lockington was opening the new Mullingar Presbyterian Church um, in the middle of Ireland. And she said, I would love to have been at that tonight. I had to send an apology. Will you tell Stephen Lockington from me that he's doing an amazing job in Mullingar? And I thought, isn't that a very interesting first conversation when you come out of that? So the next week, I don't know Stephen at all very well. Uh, I wasn't even Facebook friends with him, but I sent him a message, and we since have become. And uh, I said, told him this story, and he said, oh, that was good. He told me who it was and uh, why she would have been there and that her children come to the Mullingar Presbyterian Summer Clubs. And then he said, she sent me this apology saying that she, would, she just had to be at the Ardesh this weekend and she couldn't come. And I sent her back an email that said, don't think you're getting away from Presbyterians at the Ardesh because we're sending one to you. I just thought, that's a really interesting conversation to be having and I had other interesting conversations in that short time but here's where I want to end it the osmosis of a Lent reflection on hospitality and the story of the prodigal son or the story of Zacchaeus sorry that we haven't got to yet in our Lenten readings it's about hospitality it's about relationship it's about eating with someone who's across the boundary Jesus 
is not. No, he is. Jesus is not only interested in wiping the slate of our sin clean. That's not all that he's interested in. Jesus wants to build friendship and relationship. Jesus could have died. Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And we could all have had our slate clean. Sin's wiped. That would have been good and nice and is. But this grace, this saviour of the world, this reaching out to the lost is so much more than slates cleaned. It's about hospitality and friendship. During the Four Corners Festival, we showed a movie called A Step Too Far. Step Too Far is starts in Northern Ireland at the Shankill bombing and moves to the Amish community of Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. And it really through Donald Craybill, whose work I have followed for a long time, brilliant book called The Upside Down Kingdom on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, sociologist Messiah College, I think he's just retired, but Donald Craybill and two other sociologist theologians engage with the Amish community's amazing ability to forgive. Because what the Amish community does is they don't only forgive, they build friendship with those who have done them wrong. So the obvious story is the 10 schoolgirls I talk about a lot, didn't thought for the day last week, 10 schoolgirls killed by a gunman or five of them killed, five of them badly damaged in that school shooting nine years ago in Lancaster County. Six hours later, the Amish are at the door of the wife saying, we don't only forgive you, we will set up a trust fund for the education of your children because their father shot himself after he shot dead five of our young people. This is a grace and forgiveness that's way beyond because they didn't only just say, well, we'll hold no animosity and we'll forgive them. They go so much further. So in that movie, we're going to do it in three parts, probably in the autumn, because I like the idea of doing it around tables, and we can't do that in the evenings just at this moment in time. They look at all these different aspects of forgiveness. And one man shares how he fell asleep at the wheel of his car and drove into an Amish buggy and killed the child of the family that he, uh, he smashed into. And how they now come and have meals in his house and he has meals in their house. Because for them, grace, reaching out and loving, is not about just wiping an objective slate clean. It's about eating with those and becoming friends with those that we're at enmity with. It's the word becoming flesh and moving in among us. It's about love of enemy. When we went to the Ardesh, it wasn't a wee side issue, kind of peacemaking thing that you get involved with because you happen to end up the minister of Fitzroy. It was discipleship. For me as a follower of Jesus, I was called to this as part of my personal journey of faith. It was mission. It was taking Jesus and discussion about Jesus and the grace of Jesus into somewhere that maybe they haven't had a Presbyterian preacher for a wee while. And when we do that, we will get ourselves involved in messy relationships and friendships that will be misunderstood and our grace will be abused. But that is what we're called to do 
as people of God, to not only get people's sins wiped clean, but to start building tangible friendships like Jesus did with Zacchaeus, and that changed Zacchaeus's life. So here's the question at the end of this sermon. It's a question I used to ask in the maybe 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I used to do Zacchaeus quite a bit, and I would always end by saying this. Who's up our tree? Who's the person that's in our community who's outcast so far that he's up a tree somewhere or she's up a tree somewhere and we have to get through the crowds and invite them down for a meal? 25 years ago, I used to answer that question, Jerry Adams. Who this morning will we answer it with? Because it just might be that God might call us to shake the person's hand that comes into our mind right now. It'll be disconcerting. Times you'll wonder what others think. Times you'll wonder if you're being abused. But it's what we're called to do. Because there's no one out of the reach. And what he wants to do is more than just wipe slates clean. He wants salvation, redemption. All the fullness of God dwelt in him so that he could reconcile all things, all things on heaven and earth by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Let's pray. Lord, you call us out of our comfort zones, out of our acceptable social, spiritual, church grippings. Maybe like Moses called back to the very place that he was weakest and had murdered. You call us to places that are dangerous and frightening and messy. We pray that you might help us to see who it is that's outside of our acceptable social norm, that's up that tree, desperately keen to see you, but nobody's letting them, and that we have to move first get alongside them and invite them for a meal. Lord, later on in our Lenten weeks, the booklet challenges us to do that, to bring somebody into our home for a meal that we maybe haven't had before, that we could share hospitality with them. So we pray that your spirit might move amongst us and just give us the answers to that question. Who is up Zacchaeus' tree in our lives? And who do we need to love and build relationship with in the way that you built relationship with us so that the lost might be saved and the saviour of the world might be revealed?
Send us. In Jesus' name. Amen.